In the previous episode, we discussed how word associations play a pivotal part in our behavior and emotional well-being. In this episode, we will expand upon that and apply the information to various examples so you can see how word associations have and will continue to play a large role in our life. So now, let's journey. Wise with Aaron and Alexander, uncovering our authentic self through self awareness, conscious communication, and emotional responsibility. In past conversations that we've had about word associations, uh, I think this was maybe uh, a year ago, I wrote down some little phrases that. Uh, that you that I thought were were funny that you uh, used to say to people in closing or saying goodbye because you know goodbye uh, I mean we can get into like just weird words that we use in our language and that's another podcast but we were we were joking around or talking about the phrases that you use because you were looking for one that was meaningful uh, in closing a conversation and uh, so for a while you used enjoy. And it was I-N-J-O-Y. And uh, at one point, I was like, well, isn't that like being in happiness? Because joy is a, a positive emotion. And I think uh, you can talk about like if you decided uh, that that was. Yeah, yeah. That, uh, that was a good conversation because you actually helped me to look at that uh, like a little bit deeper and to clear, uh, take my intention with that to another level. And, and what I was... Um, intending with that uh, was not to be in seek of joy and uh, this is where what this that conversation stimulated was to resonate to choose to just resonate that rather than seek it and that's two very different things and most people are seeking something they're seeking happiness well in order to seek happiness you're going to have to go through despair and this is what majority of people just have a hard time um, maybe even looking at this concept that in order to experience something, you have to experience the opposite or you won't know what that one thing is. So in seeking is where other philosophies or religions, and I don't even need to name them, have has talking that that attachment and seeking is uh, what creates all the pain. But they choose to remove themselves from society sometimes to go to extremes, and uh, that's beautiful for some people, and that's what some people are here to do. This work is to help people that are in the the everyday um, and how to make these adjustments with within their life the way that it is. Once again, these associations, uh, this whole topic that we're talking about is just one of the clearest tools to help one to understand where they're at in their own so-called self-development and how to get started right away 
is just to work on whatever you're sensitive to in your environment, to just work at not letting that take your vibration away, to just be in that joy. And in the joy is in the acceptance of whatever is going on. That means you don't need it to be any different. You don't want it to be any different. You're just choosing to be in it. And of course, I wasn't. Uh, I wasn't offended by you using enjoy. I, it was um, just to clarify for everybody out there. <laughs> uh, it was just. Um, it's different, and I was just curious and asked him. You know, why do you use that? And and that's kind of what stemmed the conversation because I would just give him my perspective on what it meant for me. Another one that you were toying around with was have a great life. <laughs> and uh, and <laughs> to me, it sounds like it's, like it's like more than just like peace. <laughs> it's like something you would say, I could see like to uh, divorce, two people getting a divorce and the last thing they say to the other person is like, have a great life, right, like right. in a negative way. So yeah. it's it's so like short. And like, not, it's not, it doesn't yeah, feel I think, to me. I think the way that that one wound up getting adapted, because it was, it was due to the word association, it was hard to get across what I was intending, which was rather than having like, have a great day, um, I was, or have a great week or have a great weekend. It was always, those phrases felt so limiting. So I meant like, just have a great rest of your life. I mean, why, why wouldn't we wish that upon each other? But, yes, it had that negative connotation, too. So the way that I altered that was to uh, extend the phrase a little bit and ha say, have a great now, often. Because we can't always be in great. We shouldn't be seeking that great. But to choose to be in that, to be in that great or to be in that joy is, once again, the free will that we have. No matter what is going on around us. We can resonate at any frequency that we want to. But what is most important to be able to do that is managing these emotions while accepting that we're emotional creatures, while accepting that we've all been through traumas, but there's no need to blame, and to move on working through these um, triggers, uh, through these associations, and that we're doing that for ourselves. We're not doing that to cater to somebody. We're not approving of their actions. And that's another big part of this is that accepting is not approving of. It's not condoning. It's just accepting that this just happened or this is happening. Uh, death is what taught that to me more than anything else because you can't change that. I mean, you, you either accept or you really go through hell. Uh, on earth trying to deal not deal with something that actually happened and that's what so many people carry traumas of is things that's happened in their childhood and in their life that they hadn't just accepted that really happened um and lots of people don't feel like they can get to that acceptance until they see repentance or they see some kind of apology receive some kind of apology but none of that really matters when it gets down to it an apology doesn't change anything sentencing someone to death or prison it doesn't change that the event happened so all of these external things can happen the apologies the jail time or whatever and still acceptance not exist but acceptance has the opportunity to exist whether any of that stuff happens or not
once again, that's not condoning. It's the best service one can do for themselves is that acceptance. Because when you go through acceptance, then you're willing to make a change. But lots of people try to jump to change without going through acceptance. They just want to change it. They just want it to be different. And then that just follows them uh, throughout that next relationship or the next relationship or whatever. Um, so you can't get away from it. Uh, that's the thing. So I think uh, I'm a lot like you in like I don't like to uh, use commonly used phrases like, uh, hey, how are you? Like when somebody says that, although I catch myself saying it. <laughs> but like, but when somebody asks you that, I always try to uh, mix up the word I use because I, I, everybody says good. And then and then you think about it, and it's almost like a subconscious conversation, and it doesn't really mean anything. Right, it's yeah. just like, I guess on the, on the uh, caveman level, it's just acknowledging that that person is, exists. Like if you're walking um, like to the bank and somebody's coming out, you're like, hey, how are you? Right. And uh, good. And then, I mean, they don't even need to say anything. Yeah, <laughs> and, you know, there's really no need. I mean, just a nod of recognition is enough. Because to a lot of people, it's abrasive to be, like, talked to in our culture. And other cultures do it a lot smoother with their bowing or just their head nods. And, you know, and our culture is, like, such a, a non-beneficial, tactile culture. We don't embrace enough in a beneficial way, but we embrace all the time in aggressive ways. So we've gotten away from the, the more feminine energy type of embrace and a 20-second hug actually dumps endorphins from the mind 20 seconds, but hardly anybody hugs that long. But every time you go to any business meeting and men are shaking hands and uh, touching each other's skins and hands that have been all over the place. So it's really backwards how we, how we have that, and yet we're so sensitive to anybody showing any public um, views of affection. I mean, uh, that gets really judged in our culture. And and why shouldn't it be great to for children and people to see other people embracing? But and I'm not, of course, not talking about a lewd act. But it can make people uncomfortable just for two people to be kissing or hugging in a realistic manner. Um, but yet, and still, uh, when you meet somebody new, the first thing they do is stick out their hand and want to touch you. And um, it can be rude. <laughs> it can be rude. So I am a fan of, of the bowing and the recognition uh, without having to invade someone's space, uh, either verbally or with physical contact. But then once invited in, let's go ahead and embrace if that's what we're uh, looking to do. When you were using enjoy and then you, you describe what you're trying to or what you meant by or what you implied or your intention, or did you consider in love because, I mean, love as in your definition of love, which we've talked about, um, as love being the only feeling. Yeah, yeah, that would be another great way to say it. Uh, once again, there's so much association around that that True. it would never be, uh, very rarely be understood uh, in the way that it was intended. And that is just another word that has really gotten, um, you know, stretched beyond its capacities for meaning. And it's hard to know what it means anymore. And that's why when we use the term love, we're normally talking there's a feeling love and there's an emotional love. And songs and poems and art is created around emotional love. But when you talk about um, love as what I say may be the only feeling, 
um, and what I feel like Jesus and other teachers talk about unconditional love. Yeah, there are no boundaries, and that's just something that you give. Uh, I have a saying that you may not look for something in return if you want to call it love. Uh, If you're looking for something in return, you might want to call that something else. Appreciation, attachment, um, you know, stroke of ego, or whatever it is. But, but you know, love from the great teachers in all uh, areas is supposed to be completely non-judgmental and accepting, and um, that's very difficult for our culture to even consider. But people use that term. Oh, I love them unconditionally. I mean, that I hear that phrase so often, but people don't really stop to take the time to think about what that really means to truly accept any and every action of that person and that's what was suggested to us you know in the in the great book uh to do with with everyone love thy neighbors and once again all of this work uh, to me just helps to move toward what every religion talks about and to be more loving is to stay out of your emotional reactions and to that means you're able to stay out of judgment better and that means you're able to carry more compassion. And that all starts with ourselves. So that's why this internal work is so much more rewarding than trying to get people around you to change. Are you all tired of that yet? You want to keep doing that a little bit longer? Because it doesn't work. So um, so that's what we're you know here to talk about. And to be humble and know that we have all got work to do. And... Uh, It isn't a race and nobody's ahead of anybody. Um, We're all just working on different aspects. And if we come together as a group outside of this judgment and ridicule, uh, we can really be of assistance to each other, especially when we're able to express uh, what we are personally working on. And I attempt to do that with uh, people that are close to me so that so that they can help me see things that I may not see. And even with Aaron here, you know, I ask you uh, quite often if you see anywhere that I'm not practicing uh, what I'm sharing, and uh, and I always want to know that because I'm not here to be right. I'm here to grow and uh, develop a, uh, a way for people to uh, grow within parameters that are realistic in our time frame. And that's something that uh, I look for in somebody that I'm getting information from. Uh, I really look to see if they are exemplifying what they are teaching or, you know, you can put any other word uh, you want in there. I think that, you know, I was just going back to the the phrase, practice what you preach. But, uh, you know, at the time when I was, uh, when I did meet you, uh, you were going through some stuff. I was uh, consciously watching you to see how you were going to handle it um, because not too many people when they get into tough situations are able to, <laughs> mm-hmm. to, to handle, I mean, when you're talking about, uh, like a life philosophy thing, like we're talking about here. Right. Right. And I remember, you know, at that time, uh, appreciating your level of attention that you were putting toward that. And, um, that's what I've decided to put, you know, myself in, uh, that position to be judged in that way. And I'm not uh, professing that I will always be perfect, but, when I decided to raise my two stepsons, uh, they were three years old and I was 26 years old. And that was a huge um, investment. Uh, I took it very seriously, um, but I just loved their mother so much. And, and I took it very seriously and just made a pact with myself that these boys would never see me uh, react emotionally. And I began this work at 27, uh, just about a year after being with them. And it's been, uh, you know, over 20 years of developing. 
And like I said, I'm not perfect at anything, um, but that becomes an agreement I wanted to make with myself is that, you know, the fact is, is that every situation can be handled non-emotional and it's going to be more optimally handled if emotions aren't present while accepting that we are emotional beings. And I'm not talking about being detached from emotions like a lot of the male energy is. That is not what I'm suggesting. I'm suggesting to be in touch with your feelings, with your intuition, with all of these higher senses, through the ability to be able to manage these emotions just like we manage children. We don't even have to be the boss of children. We don't have to get mad at children. We don't have to have all these expressions with children. We can just help and we can raise and we do that. We have a better time at that when we are patient and when we understand that you don't tell the the child to not touch the hot stove just one time. You tell them many times. So raising our subconscious or these emotional entities inside of us is just very similar to raising children. And uh, that was the main reason that I never wanted children of my own is I couldn't understand all these people having children and they hadn't figured out how to operate their own uh, selves yet. But that was just, you know, that wasn't my path. And, and that is other people's path. So hopefully I can help them in the raising of their children in a more conscious and clear way. So let's move on to uh, social media and discuss uh, the impact of social media on our language and uh, any word associations that are happening with that. It's definitely played a huge impact, especially like Twitter. Uh, used to be limited to like 142 characters maybe, and re- just recently they've expanded it so that you can post more. Maybe it's in the 200s now. But when you're limiting the amount of characters you can use in a message, people have to choose their words carefully mm-hmm. and shorten things. And then we uh, we can talk into like slang and even texting where you're using numbers and or you're shortening words. Uh, there's the opinion out there that we are watering down, but maybe like, uh, like I don't know, killing the language or uh, because everything's getting shorter and some people feel that we may all be talking like robots in the future. So uh, let's just get into uh, the impact of technology and uh, how it's impacted our language um, and what your thoughts are on that. Well, it is a very wide subject with lots of opinions. Um you know, I happen to be, uh, once again, I'll bring up the human design, um, uh, a 4-1 generator, and I have the mind center uh, white or non-activated. And so typically people that have the mind center activated, they are they appreciate language and linear uh, much more. And um, people with the mind center white or uh, look at things a little bit more nonlinear, potentially artistic or abstract. So I happen to be a fan of the less words, deeper communication Um, through, you know, in ancient cultures, Egypt or many different cultures, there was just symbols used um, to uh, define words. And I do feel like that's where we're going and that grammar and even spelling and all of that is like slowly going away. Uh, once again, that is a sign of the times. 
Some people are going to be so-called pro and some people are going to be so-called negative. That's just the facts of every subject that is out there. I'm not really interested in that one is is positive and one is negative. They're just different. And I'm a fan of communication over grammar, um, communication over punctuation. Um, and so it, I do happen to feel that it's more important what's trying to be said rather than how it's being said. Although at the same time, coming from being an artist and being a poet and a musician, I mean, words are beautiful in that way. So I don't feel like we're going to lose anything uh, because I think for basic communication to the less words that are used and the less, see, the intellectual like to use words that are beyond certain people's understandings. And then that puts them on this higher level and it separates. So so this breaking the language down for basic communication, I think, is useful because it, it sort of evens the playing field a little bit. And it, what it does is it opens up the ability for artistic expression, can use all of those words in uh, linear and nonlinear ways. And there's always going to be art um, somewhere. So I do think that we are losing that language uh, in our general culture, but um, I think it can make it even more impactful in the art culture because of that differentiation. I wanted you to share your perspective because it's uh, a different perspective than I think what the the general society is feeling uh, on like the shortening of the language. But but I, I agree with you because I think there's checks and balances, I guess is what you would say, where the quote free market where whenever it swings one way, there's going to be a, a void where other things will fill it in to fill the loss of something. So uh, with what you were talking about with art, I think that is why emojis and, and animated GIFs have become huge in uh, in texting and on Twitter and other social media because in a few seconds, you can show an emotion or a reaction, a feeling, like an expression or a situation in video you know, where somebody can just know like how somebody feels or, or, uh, can see, uh, <laughs> can see an event that happened. Uh, whereas trying to put that into words, uh, I mean, it could take paragraphs to, right. to get that person to comprehend what they can see in yeah, like five so seconds. That whole, you know, a picture can convey a thousand words. Um, so, it's always going to be those, uh, unfortunately, dualities at how people see that. Um, but lots of people that get upset about the loss of grammar and that type of thing, um, they're not even expressing themselves with words very much, except through everyday language. Um, and so I like to suggest to them, hey, go write, go uh, be creative with that, keep that energy alive, and and maybe consider stopping stop focusing on what is inevitable and going in a certain direction and, um, you know, create a useful way to keep it alive, so to say. And I mean, I have a, a client that uh, is really into calligraphy. And, you know, there was a time where calligraphy was extremely popular. And uh, when times started changing, I'm sure there was plenty of people that didn't want calligraphy to go away. And she keeps that art alive, but she does it in an artistic way. And now she does postcards and she's semi-retired. And so she's able to still 
you know, appreciate that, to represent that, and to do it in a way that still can be appreciated by people. Or she could just choose to be angry that everything isn't written in calligraphy. Once again, that's her perception, and our perceptions direct our happiness the majority of the time. Yeah, and things are always changing. I mean, uh, you know, pick up a book of Shakespeare, and I mean, I bet you really can't understand that now or 10 years ago. Right. So our language has been changing all the time. And and we, as a society, create new words to mean new things or to shorten things all the time. I mean, you can go on Urban Dictionary. I mean, there's a lot of funny stuff on there. Yeah. Uh, but we are continually redefining our language. Yeah, and, and even, you know, I've worked with that in the past and my frustration with the word and the level of true, clear understanding of the word love, I replaced that with the word uh, ev love. And it was an evolutionary way of looking at love. So anytime I used that word, of love, it was to somebody extremely special, uh, normally either my mother, my sons, or my mate. And that was just that, that level of separation. And so I think it's useful to, um, to be creative in that manner and to show people uh, that you go to the effort to create this other expression that is special, you know, and some of us do it with pet names or um, certain endearing uh, terms like that, nicknames and that type. But what can be endearing for one person, the person saying it, the person receiving it, so you can have big resistance to it. So once again, I still feel that it comes down to being considerate. And if I'm talking with somebody that likes complete sentences and very good grammar, then I do my best to speak as well as I can in that. And then if I speak with somebody that's more used to texting and they're younger, then I don't want to speak in that language because they're not going to be interested in hearing what I have to say. I want to speak in the language that they're going to listen to. Now, we can all influence each other but uh, and help each other to grow in those areas, but you know, I like to suggest to, to meet people where they are first. And then over time of being around each other, you can expand uh, both ways, uh, so to say, through sharing. I think the the default reaction to um, to that that situation where you were talking about um, talking to the younger generation in modified version of the language that they would mostly understand um, is uh, a lot of people would tend to talk however they want and then tell them they need to. <laughs> they need to uh, learn, you know, learn English or, or and so on, and and that is not helping them. Like maybe you talk no. about how how having that reaction where you're directing some or telling somebody they're not doing something how you are doing it. It right. doesn't help. No, it doesn't. And you know, you create that resistance as soon as you try to show any type of power to where. Uh, lots of times, if you will just exemplify your way um, and be consistent with that in a non-forceful way, it can create uh, intrigue in a person and they can inquire about it and then they're open to like your suggestions. But I do like to say that, you know, you teach people to hear by listening, not telling them to hear. And we need examples in life now. We've really got enough books and we've got enough information. It's the examples that people don't have. And the, and the examples have been lost 
in the family unit um, because lots of people don't have the time or the patience to raise their own children. And so once again, we have institutions or uh, other people doing the majority of that work and then it creates bond issues between the parent and child, or you have one parent that stays home and one parent that works all the time, and there's no connection created. And once again, all this is easy to see more clearly when you accept that whole um, the energetic side of that, is that if you're not within a certain uh, uh, regularity of another human being, you're not going to develop a frequency response, so to say. Um, and that's all, you know, in physics and the way that things respond to each other and developed, uh, harmony or dissonance. So if somebody wanted to start practicing, being more conscious about their word associations, whether it's, uh, hearing something being said at them and any emotional reactions that they have to any words or, uh, having more of a conscious outlook on the words that they use, uh, how would you recommend that they get started in doing that? Okay, well, I'm going to use myself for an example of this, and I'm so glad that you uh, brought this up because we want to give everyday examples, um, hopefully on every podcast, so that you have that information. So if someone come and decided to call me like a guru wannabe, I think I've been very clear that I'm not looking to be anyone's guru. I'm not looking to be anyone's teacher Uh, I'm just a dude that's looking to share some information that has been developed over 20 years of focusing. But every now and then I will have people that will reject certain things on me. And um, during the time that you were talking about uh, a couple of years back, part of that was being called a guru wannabe and how that come out so far out of left field from someone that that I'd actually trusted and uh, had spent a, a fairly amount of time with. And so it was one of those that, that got in under the radar and actually made me like uh, emote something. And of course, I didn't have a reaction. I was able to manage that, but it really made me look at, whoa, why did you have a reaction to, uh, to being suggested to be a guru wannabe? And so I immediately, of course, the first response is always to make that agreement to not react. And not react does not mean equivalent to stuffing. You just choose to not react in that moment, but to go and access that and dissect that as soon as possible. So after that event happened, then I would go in what I call stillness or meditation. And I wanted to go to where I would have first felt not maybe that specific uh, judgment, but just judgment or misjudgment is what I felt like that frustration was that I was being misjudged. And at that point in time, I felt like I did everything that I could to make sure that that wasn't a judgment that was happening and it was still happening. The reason that it was happening is because I hadn't healed all of that within my own field yet. So it had to come up. So then I started looking at, um, you know, I carried, like I said, a lot of insecurity and a lot of frustration. And when I first got into all of this type of work, um, I questioned myself of through the insecurity of who am I? Why do I think I have something 
to offer here that's not already out there or when I began doing sound work and energy work uh, who gives me the right to wave my hands over people's bodies or to to suggest what this frequency does and I you know have constantly questioned myself throughout my whole life and so I really had uh, a saying that kept looping around in my mind that had been mentioned to me or suggested over five years earlier and that phrase was, and it sounds a little cliche, but the phrase was, what someone else thinks about me is none of my business. And I had never really taken the time to really dissect that. I had heard it, um, but I hadn't listened to it. And so I really went into that. And as soon as I got clear with my intention and just connected and went, no, I know what my intention is. And I know where my humble background comes from and I know what I've invested through loss through death through uh, different living circumstances through raising children from a different perspective through many successes and many failures um, that's what gave me the the true clarity to let that go that it was just a projection and the person that was saying this was wanting to be a guru was wanting, was jealous of what I was developing and doing. And that takes different amount of time depending on how long you've practiced it. And I just went through that like, you know, it was fairly quick. But that's from many, many years of, of practicing that because normally you may have to go through that situation, like I said, 20, 30 or more times to get to that point of clarity, to get to that point of understanding, to get to that point of release. Um, but that's what it took for me was to get reconnected to my intention and what I was doing and how I was doing it. And as soon as I connected to that, the thought of me trying to be a guru fell away right away. It held no validity. So then I was able to see that person with compassion and truly um, releasing any kind of effect that it had on me. And that was a type of healing so now anytime anything even relative comes up, it has a different effect on me. It can make me just smile lightly because I know there are a lot of people out there that are so-called trying to help people and trying to get followers and uh, being gurus and that kind of thing. But we've been very clear on our intentions here, uh, both you and I, and I was thankful to go through that lesson. So I think that's a good example of whether it's someone making you angry or making you feel insecure or making you feel judged, making you feel sad, belittling you. It is first to not react, then get to it as soon as possible, dissect it, see if you can remember the first time that you experienced that. That's useful. If not, to just make the agreement that you're not going to let that affect you in that way moving forward. Again, no would have, could have, or should have. Just from this point on, I'm not going to react that much, and I'm going to work to release it quicker. So it's it's very similar to working out. You don't expect to change your complete physique after just working out a few times. You've got to do it for months and months or years and years. This work is very similar to working out. You have to be patient with it, and you have to practice it. So in a more linear format, can you just break that down into simple steps or like if then just for uh, somebody who's just starting out? Okay, so the first step is to make your agreement that you're going to be done with emotionally reacting. 
You make that agreement with yourself, not with anyone else. And to understand that it is different from emotional stuffing or detaching. It's you're making a note of it. You're choosing not to react, but you're going to get to that as soon as possible. So the next step is to ask the internal why. Why am I allowing this to affect me? And this is when the first situation comes up. Right? Yes, like the judgment or the, the so-called negative emotion that you sense. The first not to react, then is to ask that why, the wise why, is why am I allowing this to affect me in this way? The second question is, do I remember the first time I felt this? If that is known right away, you've, you've accomplished a lot. Then you can go into forgiveness of whatever that situation was, and that's kind of like a whole other level. Uh, but it is to release the blame, and we work with different ways to release trauma we will talk about in future broadcasts. But you work at forgiveness with that person or that situation, and that's an ongoing thing. You don't just do that one time. Uh, people get mixed up forgetting and forgiveness, and they think just because it's out of their mind that they've forgiven. And that's very rarely the case. But once you are, whether you're able to access the first time that you remember experiencing something similar or not, that next step is to talk to that emotion very similar to the way you would talk to that five or eight year old child. And you would say, I understand you just ran into reaction. I have an idea that this is from when we were 14 and our older brother used to judge and ridicule us. And so I'm sending him some love and compassion at this time, and I want to let you know that this isn't that case, that we're adults now. And truly, what people say does not have to hurt us. We are clear in our intentions. Then it's good to repeat your intention, whether that's to be a beautiful person or to be a helpful person or to be a communicative person, or for me to just share information without wanting followers or, or congregation. And to accept that you're going to have to uh, regulate that reaction up to a hundred times. So then that can become exciting because then a person can want to go, okay, I want to see every little situation where I feel like I'm being judged. And I want to work on releasing that every time and not projecting any blame or judgment onto that other person, and, but being in gratitude that they are bringing an opportunity for me to work on this myself. So that's where the uh, ongoing work comes is that every time you take a blow and that emotion jumps up and, oh, this is about judgment, to let that emotion, just like a child, know, hey, I respect and understand that you're having this reaction due to what we've been through. But this isn't that reaction. Just like we don't go tell a child that's having nightmares and wants to sleep with their parents, you don't just tell them that the nightmares aren't real one time. The better the parent communicates, the more time the parent normally takes, the, the less time it's going to take that child to get that lesson. But whether it's enabling and the parents just let the child get in the bed to avoid the conversation or it's just a, a discipline and you're grounded, we're not even talking about it, go to bed, um, those both can be traumatic for that child. So I do feel like that those are the, the basic steps is to not react to seek when it was first uh, demonstrated, to use forgiveness and release work 
um, through intention and through stillness. And then to accept that you're just nurturing that reaction over a period of time. And for me, I like to actually do the stroke of rubbing my belly because I used to like it when my mama rubbed my belly. Um, so I, I so I'll do that when I'm working with these emotions. I'll actually physically be rubbing my belly, telling it, "Hey, thank you for being so attentive, but you're you don't need to be on guard now. We're at a different time of our life. We don't need to be defensive." Um, whereas a child, we didn't understand all of that. So that's just uh, the beginning steps of how to begin to work with this. And then you will notice more situations in your life starting to pop up, and it can seem like it's getting worse, but it's not getting worse. You're just uh, observing more clearly and, and better. And so the more that we practice that on a daily, day in and day out, to take the word away from doing the work and just making it a lifestyle. No, this is part of my lifestyle. I don't react emotionally, and I look at what is the lesson in this for me. And the lesson is always internal. And then when you're able to exhibit that in front of a, a, a child or a friend, that's where inspiration truly comes from because people gain from that energy transference way more than being told what they should do. We appreciate your interest in self-growth, conscious communication, and continuing to ask the wise wise. And remember, gradual changes over long periods of time equals lasting results. The information in this podcast has been developed over 20 years by Alexander in his observation of his personal life, private practice, and professional environments. This information is meant for educational purposes only and is not suggested as a replacement for traditional therapies or medications. As a matter of fact, we suggest to not believe any of this information, nor any of the information out there in the world. Remember, knowledge plus experience equals wisdom. Seek the wise. We are looking forward to continuing to provide this information through this platform, and if you are drawn to support us, you can do so by the following. Sharing is caring. Share the podcast with like-minded individuals. Emotional responsibility and energetic wisdom can save the world. If you are drawn to support us monetarily, you can do so by visiting our patron page where you can make a monthly donation in exchange for exclusive Wise Wise perks. You can do this by visiting wise-wise.com slash patron, P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Next, you can head over to Alexander's website where you can book private consultations in person, by phone, or on Skype. Find out more information on his live performances, class schedules, products, including birth chart analysis reports and music, and check out more information on his sound therapy tables. To do so, you can visit vibrotune.com, V-I-B-R-O-T-U-N-E.com. Finally, if you have been searching your entire life for consciously created apparel featuring the WiseWise logo apparel, Alexander themed clothing, or other alternative perspective designs, you can head over to Verity's Apparel, where you can find all that and more. That is veritiesapparel.com, V-E-R-I-T-E-E-S-A-P-P-A-R-E-L.com. We want to thank you for being part of this journey.